0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Nine Lives episode 10, double digits, can you believe it? Episode 10, that's crazy. So this was going to be the end of season 1, but seeing as everybody loves it so much and I'm having so much fun, why stop the party here? We're just going to keep on going, so these will just keep rolling until I need a little bit of a break, but Honestly, I don't think I do because I love it so much. It's been a really wonderful, wholesome experience for me. And I think you guys really like it dropping into your little inbox on Monday. So just to let you know, these are going to keep on going. There's no end of season one. We'll just keep rolling. So I ran my ultra. I did it. (laughs) I remember last week sitting here and being like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. And it was fab. I'm gonna have Finn on next week who is uh, a running coach and I ran the ultra with him. You guys will all know him. So we will go more in depth about running and ultras then, but a brief recap of it. um, It was the best thing ever. I felt so strong. I felt so free. I felt so wonderful. I felt there were no really icky moments bar when I got to sort of, I got to like 24 and I had a bit of a Barney and Finn was like, get a grip. So just had a walk, had an ice cream, got some water on board and then powered on through. I remember thinking at around 37 kilometers, like how is this happening? How is this real? How do I feel so great? This feels like a 10K and then getting past the marathon. Also my phone locked itself. So I had no music and no access to my phone for two and a half hours. So until I ran a marathon without a phone, which I mean, is probably very good because just being forced to listen to the sound of nature and my footsteps and my breathing was great. I also had friends for some of it. I made friends. I made two really good friends along the way. We shared some stories, we shared some miles. It was beautiful. I love the ultra community with all of my heart. I'm completely addicted. I got home that night, sat on the sofa with Joe and was just Googling ultramarathons London, ultramarathons marathons UK. Um, so this won't be the last one I do this year. Absolutely not. I love it. I love the training. I love doing it. I love learning things about myself. I love going to a place that feels like you won't survive surviving and getting a medal. Oh, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. I could honestly, I could, oh, I could run one every week. I mean, I can't, but I would like to. But anyway, I digress. Ultra was great. I'll go deep dive fully into it next week. Um, this week's episode is going to be my drinking story. Um, I spent, well, I've, I've been writing this one for a very long time because this is a very big topic. And I think that we will, I will tell an overview. I will tell my tale. Um, give some advice Uh, and then I think in future episodes we can dive into certain different bits because there's so there's so much to say Um, so much to say that I think I'm gonna find it hard to keep it in one episode but I will do my best. Um, Another thing I just wanted to quickly clear up, Um, podcast is is doing so well and there's a, a new audience listening which is fantastic and some clips have done have reached some new audiences online, which is um, both terrifying and both wonderful, because I'm just so glad that my words seem to be having such a positive effect on people. However, uh, I would just like to clear up (laughs) and uh, sort of just say that my love for the running community is for all runners. Fast or slow, long or short, it doesn't matter. I love you, I respect you. I am just making space for those who aren't spoken about enough, who are less able-bodied or made to feel unwelcome in fitness spaces. I treat all with understanding and kindness and I ask the same of the running community. I am not your enemy, I am just offering a different perspective. If you are a super fast runner who's been running for their whole lives, I respect you, your performance is incredible, we're all incredible together, there is no division, there is no comparison, fast or slow, I, we're all amazing, let's all just be friends, because that's, that's how I feel about it, I respect the elites, I respect the guy who's downloaded Couch to 5K and runs for two seconds for the first time. I respect them both equally, so I just ask for the same for this space for me. So yeah, thank you guys very much. Okay. Let's get into it, shall we? Um, So, I haven't really spoken about this before. Um, I've spoken a lot about food and fitness, but drinking is a huge part of my story. It's just been something I haven't been ready to talk about because I don't know why. I just, I suppose I had a lot of shame attached to it, but I'm just so far away from it now that I think it's kind of time to talk about it. Um, I'll do my best to tell this story in a way that's palatable, in a way that's easy to listen to, but if I do fall over my words, or if there's any bits that are a little bit more difficult for me, I do apologize in advance, but I will do my best. Gonna begin with a little disclaimer. If you think you are suffering from a problem with alcohol or your relationship with it, please ask for help. Tell someone, tell your doctor. There are many helplines and programs and free resources. It does not have to end like this for you. There is always hope. So this is why my podcast is called Nine Lives, because this was like three or four of them for me. Um, It's a completely different life. I'm a radically different person now, and I'm still making peace with that. And I'm trying to connect myself now to who I was back then. But it's very, very hard because I am so different. I actually walk past Embankment uh, Station or embankment uh, in London to get here today. It's where I film the podcast. Um, It's actually where I graduated, which was a complete miracle, but that was one of the occasions where I realized I did really have a problem because I showed up drunk. I don't remember really graduating. I'm surprised I made it across the stage. Um, My mom and dad could smell alcohol on me. It was like 12 p.m. Um, Didn't want my photo taken. The whole thing was a mess, just really difficult to think about that. But now how lovely that I was just prancing down South Bank on the way here, thinking about all the amazing things, like just run an ultra, just like all the cool things coming up in my life. And it's just so beautiful to think that you can see the same places, but be a different person in a different timeline and have such a different perception of that space. So that's beautiful. I think that we all deserve that in our lives. I will say I wasn't an alcoholic and I'm not sober Uh, I was alcohol dependent um, but everyone has their own story and their journeys and this is mine and I ask just for some respect and understanding of my choices Um, you know I am alcohol free for the most part I have long periods of sobriety but I don't have any rules the only rule is I, I don't drink heavily I don't binge drink I don't like alcohol but I am not sober. Um, so please listen to this with an open heart. was also addicted to cigarettes so I'll talk about that as well. Um, so I suppose if we start at the beginning my relationship with alcohol feeds very much into the feeling that we've discussed before in the black dog episode um, about the feeling of the uh, being the other growing up. Um, I feel there was a sort of restlessness inside of me that I couldn't stop And I had a self-loathing that I didn't know how to control. And the only thing that seemed to help me was alcohol. And it has been my wretched best friend and I have loved it. I loved that it made me forget and I loved that it made me feel powerful and I loved that it took the edge off reality. There is a culture in the UK where binge drinking and consuming alcohol is completely normalized. Um, Some statistics for you. One in six US adults binge drinks and 25% doing so at least weekly. Binge drinking is just one pattern of excessive drinking but it accounts for nearly all excessive drinking. Over 90% of UK adults who drink excessively report binge drinking. So it's a very normal thing and it's something that most friends do when they get together in the UK and it's something that we begin doing very, very young and it's something that we have access to very, very young. And it's something that's just very normalized in our culture. So I think there's a lot of people out there who have these problems that are very unspoken and very hidden because it's so easy to hide within this culture of drinking and partying because it's just normal. I grew up in a household that treated alcohol in moderation. You know, my parents don't have any issues around alcohol. It was just my mental health and some traumatic experiences that compounded and led me to drink. Which, going back to drinking being normalised, what's so funny to me is how encouraged that lifestyle really is. It's hardly ever questioned, and in fact, I've had more pushbacks or accusations of being unbalanced, (laughs) leading this lifestyle of health and fitness, than I ever did when I was binge drinking every night. And I think that's a big problem. And I, look, I'm, I'm not one who's gonna change that. I'm not one that's gonna, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and tell everyone to be sober. That's not why I'm doing this podcast. I, I believe that alcohol can be enjoyed in moderation. It can be a beautiful part of life, fine wines, all of that good stuff. But I hope at least to make you question whether you need to drink so much or whether you could put, replace drinking with other activities that could enrich your life. It completely stole my intelligence from me. It stole my opportunities and I really believe that it stole my future. I lost years of my life to it and it was my main hobby. So it just controlled everything. It was every decision I made was, will there be alcohol there? And if there isn't, how can I involve it? You know, So it wouldn't matter if I was going to the circus or going to a christening. Can I involve alcohol? Is there a way I can sneak it in? Is there a way I can meet people for pre-drinks is there a way I can do shots it was like everything and it was because I was running away from myself completely running away from myself because I just didn't you know I didn't want to be alive and I didn't want to know myself and I thought that I was just awful so alcohol was the thing that was numbing it for me and I, I truly Cassia just disappeared my eyes were yellow the features of my face had swollen and puffed up like some strange distorted mask of my actual face. And you can see it in photos that I share of what I looked like back then, but my skin was like puffy and my eyes, they were just glazed over and dark and yellowing. I was losing my hair because my nutrition was so bad and I was consuming so much alcohol that my hair had started to fall out. I mean, my nose was swollen, like, my nose was completely unrecognisable. I have my mother's nose. Um, she gets it from her mother, Mimi, my grandma. It's a Lawson nose, and it's quite a pointy wee nose. And, you know, it looks like, if you look at photos, it's crazy. It looks completely different, and it's that's very, very common in people who have alcohol problems for their features to completely swell up. My face, my chin, I mean, you just couldn't see my chin. It was just completely swollen and bloated and you know no wonder I had no confidence and I couldn't do anything I didn't want to leave the house because I, I could not recognize myself and then that fed into me you know wearing more and more and more makeup to the point where I just looked like a drag queen um, not that there's anything wrong with heavy makeup I I was a makeup artist I appreciate the artistry and the culture behind it but I was using it to hide behind um And it got to the point where I just wasn't washing my face. You know, I would just come home, go to sleep drunk, wake up, drink, put on more eyeliner on top of that eyeliner and go and do it all again. I remember once sitting in that flat, drunk, playing Red Dead Redemption, because that was just one of the things I used to do. Um, I probably was actually in the middle of a binge, I think, um... And my mom had sent me a photo of myself that she'd found at our house of me as a child and I just burst into tears um, because I didn't see any of myself in her anymore. Like I I looked like a completely different person but I felt like a completely different person and I couldn't connect the two. And now I'm so connected to my younger self. Like I, I think that I really am her. Um, and when I see photos it just fills me with joy because I'm like I'm back you know and I think that that childlike joy really really got squashed by this sort of like weird hedonistic hangovers and just it was just this nothingness just I existed in a void of just violent relationship failed plans hangovers so bad I didn't want to get up and you know I'd stop brushing my teeth I'd stop cleaning my flat it was like it was very very difficult it was a very difficult time and I couldn't see a way of getting out of it because I just didn't have any self-esteem left whatsoever and it really really it got I mean I don't know how much I really want to talk about how dark it really got but I've touched on it but I you know I didn't want to be around anymore at all I could not see the woods for the trees I really could not see a way out and I think living in that flat and thinking about that flat which is an apartment for my American listeners is just so horrid to think that I existed like that in that state treating myself like that with no self-respect and not And I was just doing the best I could at the time. But it was so odd because from the ages of 14 to 24, I had self-medicated with alcohol so heavily that I truly didn't know who I was or what I wanted from life because my brain wasn't functioning properly. And sometimes I still get very, very sad thinking about the lost opportunities and the lost memories that I could have had being a normal kid, or being a normal young adult, things like, you know, dating boys, normal boys who aren't horrible to you, or going on holidays with your pals and just feeling free, or, you know, going for walks to get coffee, little things like that, that just didn't exist for me, and I never felt normal, and I always felt like I just couldn't exist it's like I, I couldn't figure out how to live I couldn't figure it out and I was watching everyone else figure it out and I just couldn't and that's why becoming an expert partier was so easy for me because if I was in a haze of alcohol and I was being charming or just drunk all the time it was easy for me to be comfortable with myself in that state. But as soon as I sobered up, those feelings would begin again and that's how the cycle continues. And it's the same with food. So when it comes to my friends and family in this situation, you know, I don't blame them at all for not realizing or noticing. I mean, I'm sure they did, you know, but again, it's so normal at that age to party heavily. But I hid it so well so well, I was an expert at hiding things in shame, you know, the food, the alcohol, everything. It was all hidden and I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all for any of it. I was an expert at hiding alcohol, hiding alcohol around the house, hiding alcohol every time I traveled in my bag, in flasks. I was fantastic at being drunk. You wouldn't know I was drunk. And, you know, I would go on first dates. I would go to university. I would go, I mean, everywhere drunk and no one would know. No one would know because I was fantastic at being drunk and still being just acting normal, which was horrendous. Um, But they stuck with me through it, you know, and we all went through some darker times together. I think we all had some stuff to figure out, me and my friend group. And, you know, we we're like waves in the ocean. We part and we come back together. We part and we come back together. We're all in our late 20s, early 30s. And some friends are in their 40s. So we've had a lot of figuring out to do. And they've really stuck by my side through it. So I just want to say thank you to them for supporting me now in all my madcap ideas. I know that You might have to come to the finish line of an ultramarathon rather than a pub. But, and I know it's been hard to watch your best friend change so much, but, you know, to be held like that by your friends is is fantastic. And I've had periods where I haven't felt supported by certain people and I've had to cut people off. But no one who is meant to stay, you won't lose them, you know. If they're meant to be there for you, they'll always be there for you. And... I've been really lucky to keep the people that are meant to stay and I've been really lucky to make new friends friends who do sober things with me and friends who will go on runs with me you know I ran an ultra marathon with two very dear friends the other day and we shared so many wonderful stories of life and loss and grieving and loving and like things that and actually I was thinking, you know, I have so much to say now. I have so many things to say and so many interesting stories and so many views and opinions and I'm educated and I'm well-spoken and those things, I mean, that would be, I would never have thought that I would be that if I think back to Cassia lying in the bed in her flat surrounded by, you know, alcohol and whatever else. How many days I haven't left, who, who knows? It's crazy to think that I'm out there. And that's why I always say like, out there. That's why I love it and that's why I love running and lifting and all that because it's never not gonna be novel to me. Going for a walk to a coffee shop is a massive treat and always will be to me. Going for a walk, like I went to the woods on Sunday with our closest friends um, just to shake out the old legs and go and see the fairies in the trees. (laughs) Um, And I was just thinking, God, like, this is what makes me happy. And I'll always have this, you know, like, the, I think that's why when people come from darkness, or they come from a place where they've really, really suffered. One, I think those people are very kind, because they never want others to feel as they did. And two, I think they're very happy, because it only takes little tiny things to make me very, very joyful. And one of them is running, or lifting or doing anything physical with my body, because to feel it, recover and to feel it feel so light on my feet and so full of beans and so happy is just unreal like unreal i was such a dark person and that's not who i am and i see it sometimes and i've seen it in friends when they do get involved with alcohol so deeply that they start to make their personality around that and it starts to get very very dark very very quickly and The world, at least my world now, I live in the morning and the day. And that's something that I think is really beautiful because I used to live only in the night. I would wait. I would actually Google what time is sunset every single day, because I didn't wanna be seen in daylight, so I would Google what time is sunset, and that's why I hated summer. One, because I didn't wanna wear any clothes that showed any of my body, and I didn't like the heat, and I wore shapewear only, like three layers of shapewear, so I felt very trapped in the heat. But two, because the sun set so late, so at midnight would be the time I could go out. And I'm not saying this is the same for everyone, But that's just how I felt at the time. And so winter was my, that was my favorite time. And now I bloody love the summer and you can't keep me inside. I'm outside in my, you know, sports bras running and running with cowboy and jumping in the river and, you know, so I think that's why I'm just so appreciative of this life that I have now. And I really try and stay very, very present in every single moment that I have, because, it's so, so, stu- it's just so beautiful to me that I can experience all of these things. And I think I see it a lot with my clients or with or my community who follow me. And I see they, you know, show me like, Hi Katia. I went for a walk, I went for a run and they send me these selfies of them, you know, um, out. And I can see on their face that they're just experiencing this pure presentness and this pure bliss in that moment. And I just think, yeah, that's the key. You've got it. You've unlocked it for yourself that is happiness that's where it lies not in this hedonistic cycle of needing and always wanting more and always hiding and always wanting to run away from yourself just in that pure one moment after you've done something for yourself that big smile that big sweaty smile of like I'm a fucking human being and I've done it that is where happiness is in the presentness of that moment so that really gets me going as you can tell and I'm just so happy to have a platform now where I can share that gift with everyone because you know you don't need fancy things but your health and your longevity and your willingness to try those are the things that you need at least that's how I how I perceive life and happiness it's different for everyone and of course different people have different goals and things they like to work towards we all need different things but that's just one one take on it. Um so I digress sorry about that but we'll go back to the story now so uh lockdown happened right <clears throat> so I'm still in this flat on my own um at the worst it's ever been I well I yeah I had planned I had planned that I wouldn't wasn't going to be around I'd planned that in 2018 um yeah so that's a decision I'd made um and then lockdown happened Uh, a few years after that and I progressively sort of got a little bit better it got to a head it got really bad in 2018 and then I got a little bit better with leaving uni and having a bit more space to (sighs) be on my own terms I was freelancing a tiny bit so I was you know I was functioning a little bit better just before lockdown I couldn't tell you why I actually have no idea um oh yeah I started therapy that was it that's a big part of the story so 2000 late 2018 2017 was the worst year of my life I oh, sharing everything might as well go into it now I was in a narcissistic relationship with a very nasty person who did some really horrible things really really messed with me and really made me feel like I wasn't worth anything um And that took a long time to shake, but it pushed me all the way back down. Compounded with losing two family members, it just, it was a mess. 2018 was the worst, and then I decided to go to therapy. I I finally, finally told someone I was struggling with food and with alcohol and with these things that I'd been through, and I wanted some help. And just by the act of saying to someone, I am struggling, I am not okay, and I think it's the bravest thing that someone can do is ask for help and, you know, release the shame and say, I've really fucked up here. I don't know what to do, I need a hand. If you could say that to someone, you could save your life and it saved my life. So went to therapy, I started that independently, didn't tell any friends or family. It gave me a space to have a little bit of hope. So I did that for maybe six months and things were changing, but not not a lot. Then lockdown happened and the pubs closed and the bars closed. And my dad made a comment actually that he said, you are drinking a lot and I don't recognize you. And I really look up to my dad. My dad's someone who's come from really difficult background. He grew up in the Troubles in Belfast and he's made an incredible life for himself. He has an amazing story and that just shattered everything. And that's when I knew that I really wanted to make a change for myself, but also because I'm an only child, and I wanted my parents to be proud of their child because there wasn't anyone else. And you know, the Clark line ends with me. I have one cousin. We're a very small family, and I just thought, oh, Cassia, come on, get a, let's do something here. Like you're, you've got to do something. You've got to dig your heels in and try. So the pub's closed, the bar's closed. I was still in therapy. <clears throat> and I started going for walks and the walking was what changed everything for me and it gave me a glimmer of hope um it was just a faint whisper at first but it was could this be different I don't have to end up like this so the walking then began to replace habits so instead of my usual habit of a bottle of wine at night with a pack of fags cigarettes to my Americans <laughs> um I started going for walks in the evening, listening to music I used to listen to when I was younger, trying to connect myself to her a little bit. This is an exercise I did in therapy. So I listened to a lot of different music, very strange music, um, but I was trying really hard to connect myself to the past Cassia and asking what it was she wanted before we went off the rails, before alcohol clouded everything and stole everything. What did you want when you were 13? You loved horses. You liked running around, you liked playing hockey, you liked being outdoors. What does that Cassia want? So I was trying to figure that out and and she she told me she loves being in the park. So I kept going to the park and I kept walking around. Um, But I cut down slowly. Naturally, I went from drinking all day to just a bottle of wine a night. Which turned into three glasses a night, which turned into two, which turned into one, which turned into twice a week, which turned into once a week. And this was over the period of a year. And I was replacing the habits. So drinking was my only interest. But, you know, I was reading. I was eating dinner with my family. I was learning to cook. I was cleaning. Big thing. Cleaning myself <laughs> and my surroundings. I was brushing my teeth. I got into skin care. Just things that I would never have dreamed of doing. Skincare. (laughs) And now I've like such, I love my skin. I'm so obsessed with skincare and looking after myself because it just feels also new to me still. So I got into all of those sort of self-carey bits, um, cleaning myself. And naturally those habits started to push out the alcohol because it just wasn't belonging anymore. There was a sort of a, a bit of a fight between them. But... And sometimes alcohol would win and sometimes my good habits would win and there was a tug of war going on and I fell back many times and the last time I blacked out drunk was Halloween 2020. So really, I mean, gosh, four years ago now actually. Oh my goodness, that is wild to think that's been four years ago. But anyway, Halloween 2020, blacked out really badly um, and fell really badly. I used to injure myself a lot. I've got a lot of scars from doing stupid things when I was drunk but um I fell really badly onto a toilet uh holder thing a toilet roll holder and I cut open my eyebrow so and then I had a fight with my best friend the usual stuff you know and this was after like a year of really good work running journaling you know so I just felt like I'd fucked it all up um woke up covered in blood and was so triggered because I was like shit I've gone all the way back I, I just I don't know what I'm going to do But that was the last time I woke up, I put on my Gymshark leggings (laughs) and I was like, nah, kiddo, sorry, this isn't where it ends for you. Absolutely not. So got myself out to the park, Um, couldn't run because I was too hungover, but I at least went for a walk. I remember sitting down by the duck pond in Gunnersbury Park, crying my eyes out, listening to experience and just thinking like you... That's a demon that lives inside of you and she's always going to be in there. But you've got to learn that you're stronger than her and you've got to say no. And other people can live in moderation with their demons and that's absolutely fine. But you cannot. You take it too far. So I made a promise with myself at that pond that day and I said, that's the last time you're blacking out. And that's the last time you're binge drinking because you, you, you can't do it. You can't do it anymore. Not you just can't live like this. So that was the last time and it still is the last time. And I still go out with my mates, you know. I just don't, I just don't black out. <laughs> um, I'm, I am alcohol free. I mean, I think the last time I had any kind of alcohol was when I got engaged. I had like a sip of champagne, but like you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go and drink basically. But um, you know, I'm still on this journey. But running. Running stopped the alcohol problem. It stopped it in its tracks. It also stopped the smoking. And I think a lot of that is to do with uh, impulse control. And a lot of it is to do with learning about what hard work is, because alcohol gives you an instant hit, an instant fix of happiness, of dopamine. It's that like, you need it now, 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 and you need more. It's the same thing with uh, eating, and it's the same thing with mindless scrolling, and it's the same thing with compulsive online shopping, all of which I was doing but running taught me that if you really want something you're going to have to work really hard at it for a long time and get used to not seeing results very quickly it also meant that I was starting my day by doing something really hard but it also meant that I couldn't be hungover for it and naturally if we're talking on a chemical level it was releasing you know endorphins it was giving me that dopamine hit that was like you know proper and real and wasn't just dipping crashing down and needing more and crashing down and needing more like it was with alcohol so I was learning good things take time you won't see results for a while but it's okay to wait and it's okay to work at things and it's okay to create good long-lasting habits for yourself but this was like again the tug of war was still happening and my bad habits were still there and I was just slowly but surely creeping out of the dark waters onto the shore and with each month that passed I'd get sort of like a step further away from those waters and into the sun but I was learning about what I liked um, and drinking was petering out naturally along with the smoking because you know I wasn't drinking. I'd usually really smoke when I was drinking. It just was a really natural progression of moving away from it. And I was learning that I enjoyed nature, meditation, journaling, painting, making food for my friends and family, gathering people without alcohol. I was learning who I was again. And then about two years later, I got a dog, (laughs) Mr. Cowboy. And I said this in my last episode in the Q&A, but cowboy changed my life forever. I love that dog, Um, but I couldn't be out drunk for three days. I had a dog to look after, and when I was little, I always wanted a dog, and I had a dog, but he, he died quite young, and I don't think that wound was ever really healed until I got cowboy, but I remember saying to myself, when I started therapy, if you ever get well enough, if you're ever able to keep a job or keep yourself clean and tidy and keep you get your affairs in order, which is my favorite thing to say, get your affairs in order, which I do every day. I think you should get a dog. And when you get a dog, you know, you've made it out because you've got to look after that thing. You've got to keep it alive. And when I got cowboy, that was it. Um, he just taught me that it doesn't matter how you're feeling. You can't be out drunk for three days you also have to walk me every day you have to feed me you have to train me and he's a boxer he's a big boy dog and he needed training to be and he's a gentle kind little marshmallow but that took work and pouring my love into him and running and lifting weights and journaling and I just was becoming this person where I was like okay I think I'm arriving at myself. I think I'm meeting myself for the first time. And I learned a lot through caring for that dog about who I was. Because growing up, I cared for horses a lot. And that sort of like selflessness of like, keeping something else alive, and not just thinking about yourself all the time, really, really changed me and changed my perspective. So cowboy helped a lot. And I'm and I know for a fact that dogs in therapy, and I had so many people DM me after last Week's episode saying my dog saved my life you know I've had the same journey through alcohol and food and getting dogs and getting into fitness has like completely switched my world around and that's so beautiful so not long after that I met my partner who's sober and that was a big thing um he showed me that you you know a one you can date sober you don't have to be rip-roaring drunk on a date Um, which was like wild because it's like, oh, my God, you've got to be yourself completely. You've got to show this person who you are without any outside influences. So we dated by going on walks. Um, Raunchy. (laughs) We walked in Richmond Park and, you know, we used to just walk and talk, man. And I he showed me that being sober is cool. Being sober is fun. uh, Being sober is freeing. And he also, you know, he's got so many hobbies and interests. He's like, constantly learning about herpetology wildlife conservation he's really into martial arts lifting weights spiritualism and just I was like wow this person is is, and he's an incredible he's traveled he's lived and I was like okay this is who I want to be with this is the life I want and he helped me a lot I but I did the work but it was just I think the universe he gave me Joe at a time where oh I get so emotional talking about this but yeah I couldn't have he came at a perfect time and that was the universe's little gift to me for saying like you got yourself out you know sorry that you went through all that shit with those people and those narcissists here's someone really pure and that's so lovely man and still to this day I still get butterflies thinking about him and we walk together we go to the gym together we're we've built a life around nature and truth and honor and love and our families love each other and it's just, I could never have dreamed of it. So it's just gorgeous, honestly. Um People don't talk about that a lot, but how much alcohol affects your relationships with other people. It's incredibly hard to have me- meaningful relationships when you're drunk all the time. And you will usually meet the wrong kind of people. And I met the wrong kind of person again and again and again until I got out. So if you're listening and you feel like you're stuck in that cycle, just know there are ways out and that there is hope for... <laughs> you and for meeting people who love you and people who deserve you and people who will treat you well and with kindness I promise you so I am convinced that this was always my destiny to have this life I just think I lost myself for a little bit there I love my runs I love my lifts it makes my heart sing it makes my body strong it keeps my mind clear Running marathons or any length and lifting weights shifts your perception of what hard is. If I can run 42 kilometers, I think I can say no to binge drinking. And that's a big, big thing. I ran an ultra marathon. I think there's a lot of things that I will be able to overcome. I've achieved more in the last two years of not binge drinking than I have in the last 10 of partying. And that's got to mean something, man whatever your relationship with alcohol is that's got to mean something man seriously like that has got to have a little bit of proof that sometimes not for everyone but alcohol could be clouding your opportunities it's just something to think about There is more out there, but not everyone has the same relationship with alcohol. You can, of course, enjoy it in moderation. I coach many women who still go out on big nights out and absolutely love it. Wake up hungover, have a Chinese takeaway, feel absolutely fine. Unfortunately, that's just not the way my brain chemistry works or my relationship with it. But I have zero judgment for people who still indulge in alcohol. There is no judgment with me. I just have a difficult relationship with it. I don't mind being around it. I don't mind seeing my friends drunk. I just don't like busy bars and clubs. I don't like smells and sounds that remind me of horrible years or dangerous situations. I like the smell of the forest and the feel of the wind in my hair and I like wide open spaces. I do find clubs and bars and pubs to be low vibrational places, personally. Um, you know, I prefer to be other in other spaces and I, <laughs> look, I've partied enough. For 50 years in the space of 10. So I've done my time at the pub. <laughs> I no longer wish to, you know, to waste my evenings there. However, I love long dinners and cozy places with endless conversation with my mates. I love a non-alcoholic beer. Or I'll just pretend to drink if I know there's going to be people giving me grief. I've done that many times. <laughs> the shot over the shoulder. <laughs> Throw the tequila away. Um, or I'll be like, I'm drinking vodka soda. But it's just soda. So you know i <laughs> i'm a cheeky one but um i just want you to know there are ways out there are um there always are so i hope my story has inspired you it was a little easier to tell than i thought but i think that's because i feel so safe here now which is lovely um so thank you for creating that space for me guys I will end this podcast with a poem, which we're gonna do every week now. Glad you liked the last one. This is one of my favorite poems ever written. It's by Charles Bukowski. It's called The Laughing Heart. Your life is your life. Don't let it be clubbed into dank submission. Be on the watch. There are ways out. There is light somewhere. It may not be much light, but it beats the darkness. Be on the watch. The gods will offer you chances. Know them. Take them. You can't beat death, but you can beat death in life sometimes. And the more often you learn to do it, the more light there will be. Your life is your life. Know it well. you have it. You are marvellous. The gods wait to delight in you. So I'll end episode 10 there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for creating this space for me. I will always be the voice for the underdogs, man. I'll I'll always speak out. So although this is terrifying for me to publish, I just hope someone listening knows that I got through it and you can too. And look at what I've done in the last two years, man. I mean, it's crazy. So just know there are ways out and you're loved, you're safe. Please stay, please reach out if you need help let's go for some runs, let's go lift some weights, let's, even if you don't like that, I don't know, whatever you like, paint, draw, sing, dance, it doesn't matter, there's just, there's other things, there's other things to do, there's other happiness, and there's so many memories waiting to be made, and people who are going to love you, and days that you wish will never end, because they're so happy, so I'll leave you with that, big cuddle to everyone, shake out that energy, oh it was an emotional episode, so yeah, but love you all um, speak next week